Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, so grab your notes, your journal, your Bible. We are uh, in week two of a relationship series, and uh, we are learning how relationships work. We are learning uh, the importance that if you and I want to live lives that flourish, we're going to have to learn how to do relationships, and we're going to have to become, uh, as it will, students of relationships forever. How many of you have learned about relationships you never arrive but are always arriving? Come on, raise your hands, four of us. I have a lot of room to preach this morning, a lot of stuff we need to get people to know. So we've been talking about this. In fact, Dale Carnegie wrote years ago as a relationship guru, and he must be a great guy. Look at that first name right there. Come on. He said, 15% of one's success is connected to technical skill, but 85% is due to the skill of human engineering. So if we're really going to build and fashion, if we really have a vision to build a flourishing life, we're going to have to learn how to do relationships. And how many of you, by uh, a show of hands, would say right now, real time in the room or real time right now online, you have a person, a place, a circumstance, a thing that, that, that you wish would be better than it actually is? A lot of us in the room. And, there, and how many of you, by show of hands, would, would self-identify and go, I know that somewhere, someplace right now, somebody's raising a hand, and I am the image in their mind. <laughs> come on, come on. All right, so we're learning about this. Now, what does it mean to do human engineering? A couple millennia ago, Paul the Apostle talked about human engineering, and look what he said. Buried in the text we're going to look at again today. He said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? One of the things I love about this, I love the grace note here, if it is possible. Here's what he wants us to know. Not every relationship is possible. Sometimes, you know, things befall a relationship that make it move into this space where it might not any longer be possible in its original form. And we're all navigating that. There's all kinds of work we could do about that. And I love that Paul uh, is honest about this, if it is possible. And then he says this, as far as it depends upon you. And so here's what he's saying. If you and I are gonna think about human engineering, some of that human engineering work is gonna have to happen on our side of the street. There's stuff I'm going to have to work on. There's stuff I'm going to have to grow in. There's stuff I'm going to have to develop. And so as if it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, and then he says this, live at peace with everyone. How many of you would just admit you hate that he wrote everyone? <laughs> Don't you wish it'd be better? Hey, if it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with most people. <laughs> live at peace with... Um, a subset of a group of people. But Paul's saying, no, think about human engineering. For those for whom it's possible, learn to live at peace with everyone. And so this is, this is the question uh, that we are trying to unearth right now because here's what we're saying right now. We are living in a cultural moment. 
I would say, where there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of tension out there. And, and if we're not careful, when we uh, step out of our house in the morning uh, to go to work or to go to school or to, you know, to go to the grocery store or wherever, we, if we're not careful, we can catch the infection and bring it back to our home. How many of y'all know that's true? It, it can just happen. We can, we can get a tainted view about life. I remember reading a story years ago uh, about a grandfather that I think he came for, the story said he came for Thanksgiving and he had flown in to be with his family. He was taking a nap in the living room, you know, and, 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 and the grandkids thought it would be really funny. They went into the kitchen and they went into the refrigerator and they got a little piece of stinky, smelly cheese and they put it right up underneath his nose. And then when, when grandpa woke up, he went, man, this, this room kind of smells, it smells funny. And he walked over to the kitchen. He said, gosh, the kitchen doesn't smell great. I'm just going to go to my, my room. And he went to his room and he goes, it smells funny in here. And he walked outside and he smelled it. And he said, this whole world stinks. And sometimes that's like us. We just see all this stuff going on. We don't know, we don't know how to fix it and what to do with it. Now, we've been learning uh, together around this idea. Uh, uh, a guy that I really respect by the name of Mark Batterson has written a book called Please, Sorry, Thanks. And he's talking about um, how to engineer, as it were, relationships and how, how to take relationships to this next space. And that's what we're learning together right now around, around this idea. And the goal of this series really, it's not that you would, um, that we would all say please and sorry and thanks more than we do. That'd probably be a good start. But that's not really the goal of the series. The goal of the series really is to get up underneath the hood, if you will, uh, to walk into the house of all, all of our relationships and do the good work, work of stripping it all back to the studs and understanding with some more intellect and with some more spiritual maturity and with some more passion how it is that you and I can maybe fix what's not right, how it is that you and I might be able to enhance what is and take it to another space. And that's what we're learning together. And uh, we've been doing our work through this, through some of um, Paul's letter to the church of uh, churches in Rome, where he wrote what many refer to as the magnum opus of all of his writing. Here's this guy, almost writes, you know, as a Christian believer, almost uh, two-thirds or, uh, uh, of, the, of the New Testament of Holy Scripture. And uh, he comes to this place and he, and he offers, first of all, theological understanding, which is another way to say faith. And here's what I want to say about this. Here's the understanding that Paul would want us to know. You live your beliefs. So you and I can say what we believe all day, but here's the reality of it. Really what, what finds its way into our actions is probably more accurately what we actually believe. And so Paul wanted us to have theological understanding, which is faith, and he wanted it to con- connect to real and genuine character formation, which of course is practice. It's not some esoteric kind of thing that we know these lofty ideas about God. That's not the goal of the Christian experience, but that it finds its way all the way down into the development of our character. 
And so we're looking at a very challenging passage of scripture that we could actually spend a lot of time on. And I've, I've been so encouraged about this because some of you have, have reached out to me and said, hey, Pastor Dale, I love it when um, we actually take a passage of scripture and we, and we camp in that passage of scripture for, for an amount of time. And, and we allow you to push it a little bit further. And so I've been moved by that, and that's what we're doing in this series. So we're going to go back to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to invite you to stand. All right, hobble to your feet. And we're going to read Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9, all the way down to verse 21. Now, listen to the faith in action part. Here we go. Hey, love, he says. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Don't let, like, don't let the fire go out, right? Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Wow. But be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not, do not, do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, here's our verse, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. But on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he or she is thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals on their head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Now, here's an interesting thing. This is where we are right now in the series. So uh, we are learning through these verses Here's what we're learning, that there's actually a science to the word sorry. And next week, if you come, we're going to talk about the science behind the word sorry. We also are going to look at a a theology to the word thanks, and we're going to study that. But today, what we're going to look at, just for a few moments together, I want us to look at the psychology of the word please. Now, I don't know about you, but when you were probably younger, that was a word that you're parents tried to instill in you, right? I can still remember when the girls were little, we would, we would, we would try to teach them all these things about, you know, we didn't know it, we didn't have language for it back then, but we're kind of human in engineering, right? Where the girls were little and, and we would introduce them to somebody, we would tell them to look in the eye, look them in the eye. When they would shake their hand, we would say, just give them a firm handshake, you know, help them. We would do all this kind of human engineering. And when you think about uh, the, the psychology behind the word please, Here's what, here's what they want you to know. And this is where if you're taking notes, you, you might begin to take notes right here. The psychology of please is simply this. It is an atmosphere creator. For those who want to know what please is, it is a politeness prompt that levels the playing field between you and another person. 
I, I had a real-time experience of this recently. Um, I have a group of guys that in our church that I, I do daily devotions with every Tuesday. We meet at a local restaurant. We meet there pretty early in the morning, like 6.30 in the morning, and we, we spend an hour together, and we journal the scriptures. We pray for one another, and man, at 7.30, you can be mid-sentence. I'm going to call you out. We're going to go. We all got to get to work and have things to do. And uh, occasionally when I get up early, uh, if I'm running a little early, there's another coffee shop that I like the coffee better than where we are. Can I, can I just admit that? So, um, so I, I, was, I, got, I got up early and I thought, oh, I have, I, have, I have a moment. I could go to this other coffee shop. I'll get coffee. I'll go right over to where the guys are and we're going to meet. And I got out. I knew I was on time. So I'm driving over there. I'm kind of a little still waking up, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, I got, if I'm going to do this, I got to pull it off quick. There got to be nobody in line. I can make this happen. You know, everything's got to be perfect. And I pull up to the coffee shop, I get out, and I am running to the, into the, into the, to the door, uh, into the coffee shop. What I didn't see, what I didn't see is a woman who was walking to the door also. And, and we had an impolite meeting at the door at, this, at the same time. And I kind of frightened her. And, and it was this, this weird, awkward moment, and I, and I realized, and I opened the door, and out of nowhere, she sees me, boom, there I am, I opened the door, she was about to reach for the door, it's this whole awkward thing that's un, unfolding, and I'm kind of coming to wake, you know, and, and I realize what I'm doing, I look kind of like a goober head, you know, in this moment, and I, and I say to her, please, go ahead, and she doesn't say anything, she just walks in front of me. So the coffee shop, cooled about 20 degrees and I'm standing behind her and I'm just feeling like I've, I've created this weird moment and, and she gets her coffee and, and uh, I, I, as she walks past me, I said, I, I'm so sorry that happened. Have a good day. And she said, right. <laughs> and right before she goes out the door, she said, aren't you a pastor? <laughs> and I said, I actually am. My name is Trevor Johnston. <laughs> and that, I didn't, that last part I totally made up. Okay. There was this weird, this weird thing that happened there. And, and it was sort of like an interesting moment to kind of look over, even in that instance how that whole scenario could have even played out. And this is what I was, this is what I was thinking about. Like, how can I illustrate really what I want you to understand about how, how relationships work, even in this microcosm of, a, of an example? And this is what I thought of. Let me, let me show you a picture of something. What is that? That's Hurricane. Anybody know what Hurricane that is? Yeah, that's Hurricane Lee. And aren't we all thankful that it didn't come this way. And uh, this thing uh, made a lot of records uh, because it just ballooned from a Category 1 to a Category 4 literally overnight. And so um, I was thinking about this idea, and when you think about a hurricane, a hurricane is a unique natural phenomenon. And uh, to create a hurricane like this, four things are required. And we, we're, we get to be kind of experts about that here in, in South Florida. And one thing that needs to be created, uh, first of all, is warm water. That What they like to say is 80 degrees at least, and at least uh, 
50 meters deep, which is about 160 some odd feet. So it takes warm water, then it takes a moist air, which is sort of tropical humidity is a big component of creating a hurricane. The other element that's required, of course, is converging winds. And then uh, all of that wrapped together takes, of course, time. And if you've got warm water, moist air, converging winds, and time, uh, a hurricane or a tropical storm can form. Now I want to show you a picture of something that we all use as language and uh, but we probably never heard the, uh, of these people before. I want to show you who, the, uh, who these people are. And if you can tell me who these people are, I will buy you dinner because you don't know who they are. But if I say this, you might know. This is actually Robert Simpson and Herbert Saffer. And they're the creators of what is known as the Saffer-Simpson scale. And they began to look at, uh, at hurricanes and they began to say, you know, here's an interesting thing. When a hurricane has um, enough warm water, it has enough uh, 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 tropical humidity, it has enough converging winds and enough time, it completely has the ability to produce exactly what it produces, which is a hurricane. Here's what I want you to know about relationships. Every relationship, every single relationship develops in an atmosphere perfectly formed or tuned to create exactly what it does. So if you're here this morning and you've got a relationship that, um, that is life-giving to you, that there's a kind of spacious grace, that there's a kind of deeper understanding, that there's a kind of esprit de corps that, that rubs out and sands off the edges when you're not having the best of days. Here's the thing. You have figured out how to uh, allow the system of that relationship to create exactly what it's producing. Likewise, if you're in a relationship that feels less free, semi or altogether toxic, uh, unhealthy to the core, that relationship has arced in a way, follow my thinking, that is perfectly tuned to create exactly what it is. You know, the interesting thing about uh, what Herbert uh, Saffer and Robert Simpson have taught us about hurricanes, that the converging wind part, that element of a hurricane, it's opportunistic, which means um, hurricanes best feed off of storms that are already there. Does that make sense? Our relationships and the elements that you put in your relationships are opportunistic. I, I take that to a whole other level when you and I consider that, that, that God has a purpose and a plan for relationships and that we have an enemy that is hell-bent on destroying God's purposes, best purposes for our lives. I mean, this is real stuff. 
Uh, those who uh, want us to know about the elements of a relationship similar to an elements of a hurricane, I want to share them with you. They say most uh, relationships develop best around these four qualities. The first one is respect, which is this sense of um, shared understanding with one another, that we, we, we create grace as we step into the relationship together that, that um, elevates somebody's giftedness and diminishes their flaws. That's what it really means to respect another human being. Another element they tell us about relationships is equality. And when they tell us about equality, here's what they say. That the relationships that work best create agreements as to how decisions may be made. Each of you within the relationship have similar or same power. I always tell younger couples when they're getting married, I always pull, a, uh, it's often that I'll just pull another chair in the room and I'll say, um, okay, there's you and there's you. And then after you get married, right, there's the relationship. And every time you're thinking about what, what might work best, here's what I want you to do. I want you to learn this even applies for those of us who aren't married. Just lean over and look at the, look at the chair and go, oh, it's a relationship. And when I honor the relationship, I will receive the best benefits of that relationship. It will finely tune and produce exactly what it's created to produce. Third element is safety. And when we think about safety, this is how those who study this kind of stuff suggest to us that relationships uh, are those with safety come to understand that the other person in the relationship intentionally protects your well-being. There's no ulterior or unsafe motive. And of course, lastly, if you have all of this, what do you end up with? Trust. And this is one of the greatest qualities of relationships. And this is why it's so important that, that we build upon trust and we build upon trust. It can be resurfaced when it's broken or lost, but it takes a lot of time. And so this is really an important conversation right now. And, 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 and when I look at that and I think about all this idea and I think about this relational grace uh, um, un, underneath the hood of, of, of what we might think about as this space created with pleas, and re- really um, the Bible has a word for it and the Bible's word for it is humility. And we know humility is simply this. It means to embrace and take on a lower view of oneself. And isn't this what Paul is aiming at? Look at what Paul says in the verse we just read, Romans 12.10. He said, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, right? Be devoted to one another, honor one another above yourselves, And then down in verse 16, look at what he's aiming at. He says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of lower position. Do not be conceited. The greatest thing you can do in developing relationships that that will point you toward human flourishing hear me, is to take on the spirit of humility 
in your relationships, even, even where it's hard, even where you disagree. Now, here's what I want you to know historically. This very quality that the early church embraced uh, and that we read about in Scripture is the very kind of thing that drew non-believers to consider the reality of who Jesus actually was. Because here's what we all know in this room, right? He lived that. He modeled it. And so it's interesting that we, you and I, in a, just a few moments, or we're going to go back out into a world, and, and, and the mantra of that world is simply this. My way, say it with me, or the highway. Now here's what I want to ask you. How's that working for us? How's it working? And then Paul talks about the toxicity of that, and he says, really, when we, when we enter into a dynamic where we're, where we're creating graceful space with one another, I mean, that, that opens the door to some real possibilities. But you know what? I don't even want to stop there. I, I want to read to you... Um, a passage of scripture that um, tells us about how Jesus did it. So listen carefully. Paul says, um, so in your relationships with one another, so, so in every relationship you have, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness, and by being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you and I can get a picture of the majesty of Jesus and just go for that, it unlocks enormous potential to lower the toxicity of our world and raise the level of grace and hope it literally can change the world. Let it start with you. Lord, I lift up my friends in this room and online that you might give us, oh God, a glimpse of who you are in such a way that it would reinvigorate and reinstall and 
re-energize or perhaps even, oh God, energize for the very first time that there is a way to do life very different from what we most often see in our world around us. And it is the way that leads to life. Help us. For God's sake, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Lord, uh, we just wanted to take just a moment at the end of this service and just acknowledge you for who you are. You're the God of all creation. You're the Lord of heaven and earth. And you have shown yourself, Lord God, in the way that you live such a beautiful life through Jesus. And Lord, that's our model. You're our model for what's ahead of us. I pray right now mercy over every relationship that feels hard. Every relationship, God, that feels like it's just pushing against something hard and difficult. Would you break that up? Would you offer and bring healing and hope to that? Lord, where human flourishing and our relationships exist, we just want to give you thanks. And we pray that, Lord, we might be the kinds of people that model humility in every sphere of our lives. So that, God, that spirit might overcome the spirit of this age. Might it be so. And we offer it in prayer in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. I want to remind you, we have folks here that would love to pray with you. If you have something heavy and hard, come this way before you go that way. Go in God's mercy and his grace. We'll see you next weekend.